in terms of feeling less alone in the world with my thoughts and feelings. I think, you know, I know that's what I turn to realistic fiction for this, you know, the companionship and the the mirror and getting to know a character who who maybe articulates something that you're feeling but don't have words for. I would love it if if this book could be that for someone out there. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. This episode is presented in partnership with today's guest, Ona Gritz. She's here to talk about her latest novel for kids, August or Forever. It's an incredibly thoughtful, heartwarming, and well-written story that explores the complexities and joys that can come with sisterhood. Ona Gritz is the author of two previous children's books, including Tangerines and Tea, My Grandparents and Me, which was a Nick Jr. Family Magazine Best Alphabet Book of the Year and Scholastic Parent and Child Magazine Teacher's Pick. Her essays and poems have been published widely, and some of her recent honors include two notable mentions in the Best American Essays, a winning entry in the Poetry Archive Now WordView 2020 project, two 2021 Pushcart nominations, and a 2022 Best of the Net nomination. Ona has done an incredible job of capturing sisterhood and more, but before I share our conversation, Here's the synopsis for August or Forever. Ten-year-old Molly has always loved having a sister. But sisters are supposed to live together, right? Molly certainly thinks so. Unfortunately, her older half-sister Allison lives on a whole other continent. Their video chats are great, and Molly is thrilled when Allison's handwritten letters arrive in the mail, like surprise gifts. Still, it's not enough. Not compared to what other siblings have. That's why, when Molly finds out that Allison is finally coming to visit over the summer, she devises a plan she's sure will get her sister to stay. But then Allison arrives with plans of her own. A fragile heart gets broken, and Molly stumbles upon a painful piece of her sister's past. Molly has always loved having a sister, but this is the August when she'll learn what it really means to be one. Hi, Ona. Welcome to the Growing Readers Podcast. Hi, Bianca. I'm so happy to be here. You're here today to talk about your novel for kids, August or Forever, which is beautiful. Since it isn't your first book for kids, would you share a little bit about your writing background and maybe share some of your other published books just to get us started? Oh, sure. Well, my background is actually in poetry. I had the privilege of studying with um, Sharon Olds and Galway Cannell at NYU many years ago. And somehow, though, Upon graduation, instead of continuing with poems, I started to get really interested in children's books. So my my first published book was a children's novel for about the same age range 
I'd say seven to 10 that August or forever is for, but in the intervening years, because <laughs> that book came out in 1998, I returned to what I think of as my hometown of poetry and also um, began writing nonfiction. So I'm kind of, I'm a little all over the map. So you are a well-rounded writer. What would you say it is that motivates you specifically to write for children? I think it's a combination of how much I love children's literature. And I remember how important children's books were to me growing up, what good company I found them to be, and how important they were in helping me understand myself and form my own thoughts. I, I specifically remember having the thought when I was about 12 years old that, oh, I know what I want to do when I grow up. I want to write books for kids like me. That kind of works in with that idea that to be a writer, that you need to be a reader first. So was there a pivotal moment in which you considered yourself a reader? It was when I first picked up, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Yes. <laughs> like so many of us. Um, I, it was the end of fifth grade, which was for me the end of going to the same school for you know, since kindergarten, the only school I knew. And so it was a scary summer. And I pick up this book about a girl who's just moved to a new neighborhood. And it felt like, even though our situations weren't exactly the same, I felt like her narration sounded like the voice in my head. And it just was such good company. And um, it was so intimate. And that's what I fell in love with. Yes. I, I Have you seen that there's a movie about to release? I have. I've watched the, the preview for it. And uh, it felt like it felt like watching a um, home movie with all my favorite childhood friends in it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to go and see it. So Judy Bloom obviously was a big inspiration for you. And I suspect it's influenced your writing now. But wh what other children's books or authors would you say have specifically influenced your writing? And I just want to say that when I was reading August or Forever, I kind of felt like maybe you have in at some point in your life read Catherine Patterson's Bridge to Terabithia because it 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 felt similar to Judy Bloom and it, it felt similar to to Catherine Patterson's writing. <laughs> I have, and that's quite a compliment. Thank you. Another really strong influence on me is Patricia McLaughlin. Um Sarah Plain and Tall was a really important book to me when I discovered it. And of course, I discovered it as an adult, but the poetry of it, the simplicity of it, you know, that spare, spare language, but also that how, how she conveys such an incredible portrait of a family and, um, and the longing of those children. That book was very much in my mind when I was first conceiving of August or Forever. How meaningful to you is it to have literary friendships and community just to you as a reader and as a writer? So important. So important. I'm married to another writer. <laughs> so I'm lucky that I have um, a writing community right in my house. But you know, writing is such a solitary preoccupation. I can I can spend so many hours in my own head and you know doing that work. But at some point, when I when I need to reach out into the world, I I, I tend to reach toward writers, <laughs> because 
they they're living that life as well. I think it's important to have writers that you can share work with and get ideas from. My husband and I are part of a, a critique group that meets about once a month, and they are so helpful. Um, it's always just so helpful to see. You know, it's you don't always know if you've gotten onto the page what what's in your mind. So it's important to have people that you can share it with. And I also feel like, and and I know this is probably it behind um, the children's book review for you, that it's important to be a good literary citizen, to support other writers, to um, to just be there for each other and um, be excited about each other's work. Yes, absolutely. It can be really scary to open up and share your work with others. And it's so beautiful when you get that positive feedback and that reassurance. But I don't know about you, but some of the best feedback that has helped me is actually like the true critique that it's not necessarily negative, but the the feedback where somebody shoots a hole in in your story. And I, I feel like sometimes that's where the yeah. biggest growth comes from. And it's so important to have a, a critique group that you can be vulnerable and be open to hearing both the positives and the negatives. Yes, definitely. Um, because mostly what they're doing is they're pointing to the holes that are already there. So that's really important. And I think, you know, over time, and I'm saying this for new writer, new writers, that over time, you get to know for yourself, oh, that's good advice. That's exactly right. Or, you know what, that that doesn't resonate with me. Um, so, you know, ultimately, you do, but you are the ultimate arbiter until you're working with an editor. Yes. Uh, but I think that develops, that develops by, by working with other people. I would imagine it's hard to it's hard to develop without that community, without that sounding board. Let's dig into your book, August or Forever. So while it's primarily a story about sisterhood, it also explores the notion that not all families are made up the same way or right. how friends can become family. And it also touches on various forms of, of grief. All of the elements from the premise to plot to characters, from me as the reader, blend so seamlessly. I'd love to know what the writing process looks like for this story, and how long did it take you to pull everything together so thoughtfully? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I actually just um, published an essay called From Drawer to Bookstore in Just 24 Years. <laughs> I love it. I realized looking back that the the spark of the idea came to me not long after my first book came out, which was 24 years ago. And it took me a really long time to, you know, while working on other things, but it took me a really long time to figure out what the story was. I had Molly right away. I had her voice in my mind. I knew how she thought about things. I knew what she longed for. But I was so hesitant, I think, to let anything bad happen to her, <laughs> that it really stopped me from writing a story with any kind of plot for a very long time, until I realized that um, in some ways, I was about to say she was her own worst enemy, but I don't think that's quite accurate. But she had to make mistakes. And she had to have some preconceived notions that that she needed to explore, that she had some had to have somewhere to grow. 
So that was the thing that helped me finally find that story. But for a long time, I just kind of spent time with her, <laughs> trying, you know, hearing her and and understanding her feelings before I, and 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 part of this is being a poet, and so I'm I'm not naturally a plotter, um, and I can spend days and days and days and days polishing sentences, and I will be so happy <laughs> spending those hours doing that, but. But in terms of production, it kind of slows things down. When you say that you're not a plotter, I typically am not a plotter either. Mm. And I have been exploring the concept of starting from the end, like having having oh. my my ending. And it's just a new exploration. But I just I'm just curious what it feels like to be a plotter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so what what was it that like was the that initial seed of inspiration for this story? You said you've had this idea since your first published book. It's actually a memory of at I want to say first that August of Forever is not very autobiographical in terms of the people and what happens, but the seed comes from my own life. I had an older half-sister that I didn't know. In fact, I didn't even know she was my sister until I was quite a bit older. But we had photographs of her in our house, you know, tucked away in a closet, and she looked like me. And I was so fascinated that this person who was a child you know, many years before I was, there was a big age difference. And so these black and white photos, and she's dressed in 1950s clothes, but she had my face. <laughs> and, and I would just stare at them, stare at it and just wonder about her. So it, it really, it came from that idea, the idea of photographs, and then the idea, because, you know, by the time I thought of August of Fervor, of course, I did know what our relationship was, the idea of having a a sibling that's yours and not yours at the same time, that's in your life, but not in your daily life. So that was the initial seed. As you kind of mentioned, the story didn't, necessarily come fully formed in your mind and and you had to sit with Molly for a while and really kind of get to know her or experiment like so how did you go about that process like really sitting with your character and figuring out the direction of the story by writing it badly first um <laughs> <laughs> I I mean not bad on a a sentence level but but kind of writing a plotless version of the story and being told something more has to happen. And that's where we come back to having writer friends, right? Something more has to happen. And to me, it felt complete. But of course, looking back on it, I realized, you know, basically the premise of it at that time was just her sister's finally coming to visit and she's nervous that it won't go well. And her best friend is annoyed with her own little sister, which just amplifies that, which is in the story, but it's not a story yet. And I remember taking a class through SCBWI on, on plot maps and talking to my friend who I'd gone there with 
And when I told her what the premise was, she said, oh, that's not enough to hold my interest. And then I asked her, I said, well, what if, what if Molly tries to, to get her sister to stay? What if she wants her to stay forever? And she said, now, now you have my interest. And at that moment, I had at least more to build on. You mentioned that Molly has a best friend. And so I want to ask you about favorite supporting characters. So we have Molly as the main the main character. And if there's anything you want to sh- else you want to share about Molly before we go on to side characters, that's totally fine. But if not, I, I I'm so curious about who your favorite supporting character is because mine was definitely Molly's best friend Diane. Mm. Yeah, I I love Diane a lot, and and funnily, I love her little sister, <laughs> even though she doesn't have she doesn't have a big part in the story but she she she's the one who would kind of go off script and say things that would make me laugh while I was writing but yeah I love Diane Diane is someone in a certain way the opposite of how Molly came to me fully formed as a person and Diane was more a circumstance if that makes sense she was I just what I knew about her at first was just that she had a bustling household and and, and a lot of siblings but I, I actually got to know her as I began to to write the scenes where she and Molly talk. Do you have a favorite moment or like a specific highlight that you could share with us? And you're welcome to share a short excerpt if, if you have your book handy. I could go get the book. I would love it. Um, there is a scene pretty early in the book where... Molly is walking with her father and, oh, here it is. Okay, so there's a moment where Molly is walking with her father and she's only just starting to worry about what it's going to be like when Allison visits them. Until this point, she, she was just pure excitement. And this is something that was in my very earliest pages, way before the story had a story. But it's a moment that I just was really happy with when it reached the page. We reach a clearing, and even though it's still light, we can see the moon. It looks like it's made of smoke, like you could take a deep breath and just blow it away. Dad, I hear myself ask, do you think Allison will like me? Mm. It's so it's so just beautifully written. You didn't waste space with unnecessary information. What you delivered in one little paragraph can sometimes take up two pages in another writer's book. And it was just so concise and beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I guess that that's the gift of coming to prose as a poet is is knowing how to be concise and and what to edit out. The hard part is I, I, every time I try to plot something, I feel like a newbie, (laughs) but it has a strong suit too. So in that paragraph that you just read, we also hear about her dad and her dad is an interesting character in the sense that he has been married before and Allison is the daughter from his first wife, Patricia. You know, it seems as though he's learned a lot about what it means to be a husband and a dad since his first go round at it. And he's he's a loving guy. But what I actually really liked about it is that though you see that he is really, you know, trying to to be a better 
better husband and a better father the second try. He's still himself and he's a workaholic. So what went into creating that character? And is he based off anybody that you know? Like, how did you go about just sort of creating him? Oh, interesting. He's not based on anyone I know. And I guess like with Diane, he he kind of showed me who he was when I put him in scene with Molly. I knew I wanted her to have a very loving family. But then actually going back to that class I took on plot maps, one of the things they taught was to add a clock, you know, to add the pressure of time. So that's where his his workaholic <laughs> nature actually comes from this idea that um that he's he's having meetings he's working really hard to fill that spot of being of Molly's art teacher that and it's a job she really wants Allison to have um but she she doesn't want to be the one to say it so so that kind of that came out of my attempt at plotting so it's interesting how the various things you're working on play on each other. You know, the plot can give you character. I hadn't thought about it that way until you asked the question. But What impact do you hope that August or Forever has on readers? Oh, well, I guess I really hope that readers find Molly relatable and see something of themselves and her find her good company and you know i mean if she if she can do for them what margaret did for me <laughs> in terms of feeling less alone in the world with my thoughts and feelings i think you know i know that's what i turned to realistic fiction for this you know the companionship and the the mirror and getting to know a character who who maybe articulates something that you're feeling but don't have words for I would love it if if that if this book could be that for some for someone out there. Yes. One of the reasons I think I feel like this book is important to me and I hope it's important to other people is is that I don't think there are other stories out there or I I haven't found them that really look at second families, second or third, you know, later marriages and and the experience of being a half sibling. I think there's a lot of books out there about divorce or about, you know, a newly blended family where people are dealing with a lot of dramatic change. But but there's there's a very specific experience to to having a family that maybe doesn't quite take the shape that you imagine would make you happiest. And I think that's probably true of a lot of kids that that they're their friends and neighbors have enviable, enviable looking families. So I, I feel like that's, that's a, a niche for this book that feels important to me, maybe because I, I, I grew up um, feeling like our family was very odd and unique and would have loved to have read a book where somebody else was grappling with a certain kind of loneliness that you're born into. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. I I do agree with you that I think this perspective, the story being told from the perspective of Molly is really a unique voice. And I'm sitting here trying to think if I've ever read a story quite from this specific perspective and there is nothing else coming to mind. So, Mm. yeah, yeah. 
Well, Ona, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Not not only just because we talked about August or Forever, which I loved, but because you shared how fulfilling and important stories and and books are and, and how they make such great companions and how as a child, just you reading alone, how that has influenced you now as an adult and how those stories stay with us. So I love that we got to talk about that. I do too. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And I just, I, as I said before, I, th- I think Augusta Forever is so thoughtful and it's, it's so well written. And I really have no doubt that it will be a much loved companion to other young readers and especially kiddos who love Judy Bloom-esque realistic fiction <laughs> like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That that makes me so happy. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Be sure to check out our show notes. You'll find links to order a copy of Ona Gritz's August or Forever. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Chromecast, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. To discover more fantastic books just like August or Forever, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com. <laughs>